Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, people, it's Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate. And listen, oh man, I hope you guys are doing well. This has been recorded on lockdown, the COVID-19 lockdown uh this is kind of i mean day two i guess of official lockdown um but i mean really speaking i've been locked down for weeks now uh if you follow us on facebook you may have noticed that we're doing some facebook live videos here and there did one that was uh about faith no more's angel dust did another one where we put together a compilation of best grunge songs from the 90s uh if you follow us on spotify you can find that over there um yeah fun doing that you know really just fucking around because we've uh <laughs> got nothing else to do at the moment man i hope you guys are all bearing well i hope no one's got ill from this thing yet it's uh challenging times for all of us anyway this episode today's episode we recorded it quite a while ago so there'll be no references to any of this stuff uh this is uh our friend simon joining us for a special on check your head it's going to be fairly obvious fairly quickly uh that this isn't really much of a critical appraisal of this record in as much as it's three men of a certain age nerding out about one of their favourite records. So uh, if you're here for the ire and you're here for the uh, scorn, then you're not going to get a great deal of it from this one. though. But we had a really good time recording it. We always love getting together with Sai. So I was a good dude so uh, i hope you enjoy this episode uh don't think what else we've got i mean i mean i normally would say what else have i been doing but i'm fuck all man pressure washing mainly pressure washing sorting out my garden doing stuff like that uh what i did do as well is i I made an absolute metric fuck ton of soup today because i got all of the uh vegetables that were going to be cooked up for the roast dinner at christmas pub on sunday uh don't worry they tried to give them to a food bank first before I made them uh, into this metric fuck ton of soup, but uh, it was not the right kind of thing that they needed. But away, so I have now got what I would I would guess is about twelve liters of butternut squash, parsnip, and carrot soup. So I've uh, uh, been watching a lot of telly. You've been watching uh, Tiger King on Netflix. I don't know if anybody else has been watching that. Jesus Christ, that is a crazy fucking program. I'm about to go in on episode four now. Uh, I'm enjoying that a lot. A, if you're a fan of weirdos, uh, big cats, and very, very strange haircuts, I would recommend watching that program. Outside of that, I've been watching Picard on Prime. I've been watching season two of Castle Rock on Shudder. Uh, I discovered that the other day, and there's a bunch of old crazy shit on there, like 80s and 90s horror films, so I'll be watching a ton of those um but yeah guys i hope you're hope you're not too bogged down by this shit uh please stay in contact with us by all the social medias we're going to be putting a ton of content out there i think whether any of it's any good or not is another matter but for now uh please enjoy this uh we will be back it may not be next week uh obviously we're trying to figure out a safe way for us to record the podcast um we will try and get it done maybe we'll do it remotely i'm not sure but uh, the next episode is going to be uh on the cures wish album uh and yeah we're ready to go when <laughs> when we can sorry if this is all ridiculously vague uh we're in the same position as everybody else is it's an evolving situation anyway uh enough of this fucking waffly bullshit 
it. Uh, you guys take care of yourself, uh, and I'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. <laughs>people welcome to another episode of pop collaborate and listen my name is dave fensom we are here with a very special episode we are talking about beastie boys seminal check your head out i'm here with my friend christa greer hello everybody and we've got a special guest for you this week uh we've got our friend cy sharp hello uh, of beat rehab fame you may remember him from episodes such as jesus jones's doubt and I mean, that was the one he was on. Well, that was it, yeah. Yeah, it was just that one. But, you know, he's back. We enjoyed him. We had nice feedback about him from his friends and family. So we've uh, we've had him back. How you doing, Are you all right? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for coming down, man. Because he lives up north. It should be pointed out. So this is actually a a chore for him to come. Yeah, he had to drive down here for five hours. Uh, probably in total, yeah, about that. Okay, and no, we nice. should also point out that he is doing this with a bit of a hangover. Yeah, as is Krista. Well, uh, yeah, but no, it's fucking standard for me, to be honest. I, I haven't got a hangover, guys. Have you not? No, yeah. I, had a, I had a really bad hangover on Thursday. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I went out on Wednesday night to the uh, the Warren, where I do my Brighton Friends show, had a launch, and they gave me lots of uh, free white wine. And uh, oh. because it was free, it wasn't very expensive white wine. And I didn't have any dinner, so I didn't do anything on Thursday at all. Never drink wine when you're out. So. Oh, mate. I, I, oh. I, I, you know, you don't mean you're just shitting a fuck like McFlurry. It's the brown <laughs> McFlurry. <laughs> it's fucking unpleasant. <laughs> anyway, so this is, uh, yeah, this special is about the Beastie Boys Check Your Head album. Now, why are we doing this, Krista? Uh, we're doing this because it was obviously it's released in 92 but it was never a number one album mm-hmm. but it is my favorite album ever recorded and so i'm pretty insistent that we do something on this spoilers yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm a fucking huge fan of this re- record and so i wanted to i wanted to do something on it it makes sense we've done specials on other things that uh you know, matter to us, yeah, or and wouldn't have got attention otherwise. And this is another one of these. Yeah. Now I'm an enormous fan of this record too, so I presume we've brought you inside as the contrarian view because you hate it. Is that right? <laughs> uh, yeah. There's not going to be a lot of contrarian views in no. this uh, podcast. Yeah. For me, it's uh, probably my favourite album ever, right. uh, and certainly the most important album ever in my musical life. So it's the, right. Sure. It's the album that kind of uh, got me into. Although I I um bought the I. Dead of Souls, Three Feet High and Rising, but check your head, but there was a big gap then, and then Check Your Head is really the album that got me into hip hop. Right, because I mean this is ninety two. Ninety two. Um and yeah. so if you've been listening to Dead of Soul, you know, whatever, nineteen ninety, presumably that kind uh, of time. Eighty nine came out. Eighty nine, yeah. yeah. But then for a couple of years you were almost what, primarily indie stuff? Yeah, like yeah, indie. But yeah. indie was some sort of dance overtones, but pretty much right. pretty pretty conservative in that respect. Right, okay. And then this introduced me to essentially the beat. Right, sure. Uh, so everything from everything afterwards in terms of funk, hip hop, um, dance music, really, I yeah. think all comes from this album. Nice. Okay. Did you have this at the time, like on release, uh, April nineteen ninety two? No, no. In fact, I got into it. I got. It, I think I got it tail end of ninety two. I know that because mm-hmm. they played at Reading, and I didn't go and see them at Reading. Oh, mate, same here. So, same so I, I, so I obviously didn't. I, I knew they were knocking about, and I knew they'd done that tour of the Rollins band. Mm-hmm. 
but I think Check Your Head is a it's it, it was a word of mouth album, wasn't it? I yeah. don't think I don't think it really I don't think it did much upon immediate release. No, not at it's all. It's the it's the album that kind of paved the way for them forward, isn't it? So. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was going to say, Dave, were you into it at the time? Like, I came to this album after really getting into a communication. Oh, I see. Okay, so you're working backward after that. Okay. So yeah, right. and that's probably why my my relationship with this album is slightly different to both of yours because I came to this album. Uh, and you know, I, I mean, I love. Uh, I mean, Ill Communication, which is a follow-on album to this, is very much an album that follows a similar template to this record. Yes, there's some notable changes, and I came to this record after that. So this, when I first heard this, it wasn't such a kind of a surprise to me. Okay, uh, I, you know, it wasn't I, a revelation. I, no, I mean, yeah. I have come to you know to the only right conclusion, which is this is the superior album. Sure, but I've got an awful lot of love for Ill Communication as well. Uh, but so yeah, I mean, I got into this through I got into this through skateboarding. Really, that's my, okay. my, my friend. I think my friend Robin uh, was the first person that played me tracks off of this. I was aware of some of the tracks from skate videos and bits and pieces, but I just never had one, yeah. again, one of those situational things. We talk about them all the time. I just never had a mate that had it. I never picked it up myself. Yeah, there was so much going on in hip hop in '92. Uh, which we're going to get to as the year goes on. Indeed, there was so, there, there was never not a list of about ten records that I wanted. Uh, you know, and I was, this was this wasn't in any of those because yeah, I, I mean, going, I was, you have to hear this exactly that exactly that yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't come to this till about what pretty ninety four maybe, which seems too late in my mind. Well, no, if it's if it's after real communication, it would be yeah. Yeah, so yeah, nineteen ninety four. That's when right. I that's when I that's when I got into this record. Uh, but okay. I listened to this album. A lot. Oh God, yeah. Oh, and once you 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 kind of hear it and you start to get into it. For me, I was just over and over and over. You know, all the way through, start again. All the way through, start again. Yeah, brilliant. It yeah. was actually in the summer of '93. Again, it was the beats on it. It was just that yeah. massive feel of the huge mm. drums. I was like, this is cool. Just fell in love with it from that. You know, straight away. But that was a year after it was released. Right. So I'm in the same boat as Sai. In that I was at Reading '92, and I remember walking past the stage that the Beastie Boys were playing on, yeah. going, "No, can't be arsed with that." Yeah, because in my head, the Beastie Boys—I wasn't even aware of Paul's Boutique at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, they're the guys that did, you know, fight for you at the party." Mm, whatever. Oh yeah, they were the. That's the thing, you know. Silly. For anyone that's slightly younger, I guess, and listen to this. I mean, if anyone slightly younger, yes, please. This, I'm sure it's just men <laughs> in their mid forties. But obviously, the, you know, the Beastie Boys. Uh, you know, I, what I knew about them was. You know the kind of the headlines on the Sun newspaper, the kind mm. of the the shock rock kind of the inflatable penises on stage, the girls in cages throwing beers into the yeah, crowd. Yeah, the annoying little dickhead kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if it and if it wasn't for this album, that would still be all you'd know about them. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. Oh, yeah, exactly that. And it's yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Paul's. I, I, maybe I'd have found Paul's boutique anyway. Well, I, I mean, know. who knows what, what what would happen to Paul's boutique? Uh, but certainly the way it turned out, Check Your Head is the reason why going forward. They were massive, but it's also the reason why everyone now looks back on Paul's boutique. Oh, indeed, it could have been. Check your head hadn't come out. I'm not sure it would have been. Yeah, I think you're absolutely. We discovered classic. I think I think you're absolutely right. Um, And you know, we'll talk about this as we go. But the cultural impact of this sound and what it represents in terms of taking that kind of underground skate culture, you kind of New York kind of hip hop funk thing, Mm -hmm. it would kind of shape 
all of pop culture through well certainly alternative pop culture throughout the 90s you know all of those kind of fashions escape fashions mm-hmm. like, you know without this you kind of I mean, without this it'd certainly be no new metal <laughs> <laughs> thanks beastie boys yeah but, you know it, you know but this did become you know it, it, everything that this album kind of represented it, it did kind of become very like not mainstream but it became but, oh, de it's, rigueur it's, for alternative culture didn't well it? Yeah, yeah i think i think beastie boys pretty much redefined cool as well i mm, think every, yeah. everyone everyone wanted to be in the beastie boys oh, there God, was just yeah. something about them and their in jokes and how they just knew about all different sort of bit, magpies of weird and wonderful culture yeah whenever they came out with the grand royal magazine you know that was the coolest thing everyone wanted to to read that and see what was going on but you're right the, the magpie stuff they they know their shit they yeah. are you know musical uh, intelligentsia they go back and they know everything about fucking 70s funk or whatever it is they're not just idiot frat boys they are very very hot on all of their music yeah they just love what they do yeah. and, that's, and, that's, and I think that's a big part of all of it it's, it's evident throughout the record so we always start with a cover and a record so obviously you got the album here with you Christopher? of course I do of Jesus. course you do course I'm wearing the t-shirt with the album cover on it and I've got my double vinyl nice yeah, yeah. so yeah there's your cover so wh- when did you get that vinyl I got that in probably ninety four or five. That is a well thumbed bit of vinyl. Oh, I brought well. this to you know every DJ gig I did. It's just been in you know my record box for every club. Yes. I used to play this all the time. Yeah. Any, any big skips on it? Nope. Fucking hell. No, well no, no, no. It's, 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 it's not pristine. I looked up how much I could sell this for on Discogs because I was listing all my shit on Discogs. Yeah. And if this was in good nick, this would go for about one hundred and twenty quid. Fucking hell. Yeah. But it's. You know, played to shit and it's battered on the sleeve and all that stuff. So but there you go. Album cover. It's uh, it's a photograph, black and white photograph of them uh, sitting on a curb. Yauch has got a uh, bass. His bass with him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mike D has presumably got some drum bits in that bag in front of him. But yeah, it's just the live instruments. You know, yeah, they are fully embracing the live instrument stuff that they use on this album. Yeah, and the album cover references a lyric as well of mm-hmm. see no evil, hear no evil, talking no bullshit. bullshit. I never realised that. Because you've got, the sun, you got sunglasses, that. you've got the woolly hat over the ears and you've got him with his mouth, hand over his mouth. Oh, that is ah, nice. Nice, nice, I've nice. not even noticed that. That's wicked. Fucking hell, they look young in this photo though, don't they? Well, yeah. But yeah, but the, obviously what you've got here as well, it, it's quite difficult to see that out of context, but like, this is, uh, you know, the, you know, you got him in the, in the old school gazelles, got the woolly hat on. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, this wasn't how people were dressing at the time. No, but, it's, but it is how we were all dressing two years later. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that was a cool thing. And I'll tell you what, this is the reason, like, the, when the whole Britpop thing happened, and there was this whole kind of cool Britannia thing, I couldn't, the reason I couldn't take any of it seriously, because the fucking Beastie Boys existed. And yeah. it's like, how, how, in what world does anyone look at fucking Fred Noel Perry Gallagher t-shirts. and go, oh, that's, uh, that's, that's nowhere near as cool as the fucking Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't understand it, you know. All that fake swagger versus actual genuine, fucking, yeah. Yeah, genuine cool. No, they were they were the shit in in this time period. They they influenced everything. Yeah, and also um, their influence in terms of irony because everything was so ironic that they were into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean like the mullets and the that, mu- yeah. that yeah that kind of thing. That, that I think I mean, is it is it fair to say they, they introduced that into pop culture? They certainly oh they absolutely did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's part of me thinks that uh, they pretty much introduced the word mullet yep. into pop culture. But whenever they did their uh, thing in Grand Royal magazine on mullets suddenly 
everyone was fucking ironically liking mullets. Yeah. Well, this is it. You know, the, I mean, so much of obviously because they're you know they're, they're a few like a few years older than us essentially. So yeah. they're, they're kind of around fifty now, I would imagine. Yeah, I guess in so. their fifties. Yeah. Yeah. Mike uh, D looks it as well. <laughs> Seen him recently. Is he looking yeah. old? Oh, he's yeah, looking yeah. very old. Looks like a bollock. Yeah, our drock is looking pretty suave. It really is. But what's MCA looking like? Ashes. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell! (laughs) Jesus Christ, we've gone there, have we? Um, Do we know that? We know he was cremated. I don't know that. No. Okay. I reckon. I reckon because that that would be the issue of the joke. Would be. (laughs) Is it factually correct? (laughs) I, I like to think he was buried in a Cadillac. Why? It's like a big flamboyant seven. Oh, I see. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. But I mean, that's the thing, obviously, because they're a few, you know, a few years older than us. So their reference point was a lot of the kind of seventy stuff that we were probably just slightly too young for. Yeah. And you know, this uh, so much of this record is the outlandish, cool stuff of the seventies reimagined through a nineties mm-hmm. sphere. So there was a, you know, there's a level of irony operating through this that was apparent at the time, which you kind of. It kind of doesn't matter now, almost, because this is so ingrained in my pop culture. So. Okay, no, sure. and, and yeah. I still don't know. I still don't know any of the pop culture references they make on this. Or oh my god! And there's, I, the, I mean, the, they mean nothing to me. No, there, there's a, a website that lists every single thing that they reference, yeah. and it goes on for pages and pages and pages. And I'll be honest with you, I've there's still sometimes I'll just see something randomly on the TV, and I'll be like, oh fuck. And it would just be something from a Beastie Boys that they mentioned. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah. I did go to quite because I'm a nerd like this. Mm-hmm. I, when it, it, any kind of hip hop, so I I go to a lot of uh, lengths to try and force certainly did when I was younger to try and find out what stuff was about. So you know, I, right? You know, like as soon as I saw uh, someone that the, the taking of Pelham One Two Three was on TV, I'm going to sit and watch that. Right? You know? Okay. I'm yeah, going to check out as sure, much sure. stuff as I possibly can. Yeah. Anyway, should we crack on with this? This is a this is a twenty track album, right? Yes, uh, some some of the tracks are kind of skits or throwaway things, so you know, there's, there's not so much to say about some of them. But it's a it's a good chunk of album, and and obviously we're going to go through and we'll, we'll talk about it. But there are so many different styles on this. Yeah, without you know, that. Obviously, whenever they uh, had done Paul's big take, it was produced by the Dust Brothers, and it was just hip hop. It was samples and hip hop, yeah. and that's what they did. And it was, it's, obviously fantastic didn't sell um you know that's the, the backstory capital didn't promote it at all it was swept under the rug because there was an, a donny osmond album coming out and they needed to spend time on that so Weird. it was just completely when, when, and when are we talking about the donny osmond album <laughs> oh no we're not <laughs> funny that um and so that for this album they were given free reign by the record level because the record level was like well fucking do what you want doesn't matter. That last album didn't sell. There's no pressure, so they went away and completely rethought what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. They used to be in punk bands whenever they were you know, young teens, and so they were like, "Well, oh, fuck it, let's pick up instruments again." And that's why this album is so many different styles because there's so much live instrumentation, not just the hip hop stuff. And if you look at it, twenty tracks, probably only seven or eight of them are hip hop, mm-hmm. uh, and it was sold. Everyone just went Beastie Boys, their hip hop group. This is not a hip hop album. This is not a pure hip hop album. No. I mean, if it's going to be one of the ones at the end of the year, if we do our favorite hip hop albums, I don't know if I am allowed to put this in. I'm not sure. 
Oh, I think you can. This it, it is a hip hop album. I mean, it's a hip hop album in terms of hip hop as an overarching thing. But yeah. it's, okay, it's not a rap album. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. No, no, but I, yeah, I, but I guess. But even in the ones that aren't pure hip hop, there's still samples. It's still kind of constructed a lot of it like like a hip hop song. Yeah. But the, the question is though, if at the end of 1992, can I find ten better hip hop albums that fit that description better? Yeah, mm. I can. But yeah. I, I won't find ten better albums. No, no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, the, the other reason that they did go back to the, the instrument stuff on this is because it's rumored that the sample clearance for Paul's Boutique ran to a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. And obviously, when you're not going to sell any amount of records, that's all your money gone. So they, they presumably never made money at the time. Well, this was this was happening throughout hip hop anyway. That you know, people people were moving away from. Using as many samples as many, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they, they, it, it was just cheaper for them to do more live stuff, and it, you can hear it. It's so much more fun for them. They are loving, you know, this sort of shit. Yeah, this is probably because if you think Pause We Take is almost like a Dust Brothers album with the Beastie Boys rapping on top, this is more the Beastie Boys doing everything. Yeah, although, um, although I will say, listening to the album this time and sort of trying to dig into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was kind of struck quite how many samples there are on this album mm-hmm. and how embedded they are and how much they, you know, how, how much the techniques they're using that they used on Dust Brothers on the on Paul's Boutique as well. Yeah, no, true. And they do chuck a load in, uh, even if it's just, you know, one word in the middle of a line. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's all over the place, true. But there are, though, there's a lot more pop culture-y kind of stuff that isn't directly from songs as well. There's a lot more kind of like found footage-y kind of things. Yeah. Uh, bits and pieces like that. Anyway, right, so let's crack on with track number one, otherwise we're going to be here for yeah, five yeah, yeah. fucking hours. Right, track one. Jimmy um, James. I do love the sample at the start. It's just introducing the whole thing. It starts off. I mean, that is just classic Beastie Boys, is it? Sampling themselves. That's a cheap trick. Is that cheap trick? It's cheap trick. Fucking hell, I thought that was them. No, I've, I've, always, always, I've always thought that was them. No, it, it sounds like them. Yeah, it really does. I assumed, when I first heard it, I assumed it was one of their live shows. Yeah. Well, that's, you've blown my mind there you go, and ruined that. Live at the Budokan. I don't want to do the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> but that bass line, fucking hell. Fucking man. No, and, it, and, it, and it's, I mean, the whole, the whole song is... Explains exactly what the whole album's going to sound like. Isn't yeah. It, really? yeah, yeah. And obviously that, that's because obviously Jimmy James is a you know it's a, it's a tribute to Jimi Hendrix uh-huh. in theory. That was originally the proper cross town traffic sample, wasn't it? I don't think so. I think it was. I think it was on the original remit on the original version. They couldn't get it cleared. Pretty you know? sure it's not. Um, you, you're absolutely right that. It was. This is a different version to the one they originally had. I think, I think the original one had more Hendrix samples. Yeah, in. there's yeah. like six or seven different ones. Yeah, I think there's. I think there's a, a, a kind of unheard version from what I understand. Well, I may be wrong because there's an original original version, but I'm not sure that's still got all of the original samples in back in it. But I don't know. But look, what I've read is that they had one where it was just Hendrix samples. Yeah. Get, and this before they put any vocals on it, it was like six or seven Hendrix songs uh, all over each other. They couldn't get clearance on most of it, but they could get clearance on, for some reason, the Foxy Lady bit yeah. and the Happy Birthday one, which is yeah. that boom, 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 that, that bass line. Mm. And then they kind of recreated a lot of it themselves and used that for the album version. But after the album came out, the Hendrix estate allowed, said, okay, they relented and went, all right, you can use them if you want. And so they 
put the original version on the single release. Right. Which is, you know, very, very similar to this, but has all the rest of the other Hendrix samples in there. So that's as far as I know, anyway. That's I understand it too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, this is definitely similar to the original. Uh, but that that bass line has never changed, and uh, the the drum on it is the is on the original Hendrix tune as well. Um, and it's just fucking incredible. Yeah, but, I mean the, that's I mean, great. The, it's great. The drums on this song that's so are, hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, the 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 lyric on this one that the kind of almost sums up how I felt about this when I heard it and mm. how it kind of uh, want to give the loser youth a slice of life. Mm-hmm. That's just such a fucking good lyric. That's <laughs> nice. Like, when I heard this, that's pretty much how I identified as the loser youth. You oh, know? right, okay. Like, as being like expected to participate in a world that I didn't really see any great reason to take particularly seriously. Fair enough. I found everything fairly ridiculous and this spoke to me on that yeah. level. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, nice. I mean, it's as, as track one, I think it is sublime. I think it's the perfect, like you say, Si, it shows you what you're getting into. Yeah, and you've got those distorted vocals as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing, it's, you know, it's it, 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 this is one of those tracks where it's a hip-hop track, and it is kind of a banger, but it's also kind of chill as well. Oh, yeah, because it is almost like the, all the psychedelic stuff, the swirling yeah. noises they use. It's not a crisp dance floor anthem, but it's just such a... Yeah, beautifully put together. And you've, got, and you've got that. Obviously, you've got this uh, distortion coming through on the vocals, which is quite. And you know, no one else is really doing that particularly mm. in, no, in hip hop. No, no, they weren't at the time. And you know, like it's equipment based, isn't it? It is. They deliberately went out and bought shit microphones from Radio Shack, um, put them through distortion pedals and shit amps yeah. to get that noise. And there's stories about uh, Mario C, uh, Mario Caldaro, who was producing this album. He was fucking livid because yeah. he was like, "This sounds terrible." Why are you? Why have you brought these awful, as he called them, bullshit mics into yeah. the studio? And why are you using them? The Beastie Boys were like, "This is the song we want. This is this song's great." Yeah, because I guess Mario C at that point, his big success is going to be the first Tone Loke album, isn't it? That's, Indeed, that's yeah. His, that's, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. He'd like worked a Delicious Vinyl on the Tone Loke album and the Young MC album, stuff like that. Yeah. So he was, of course, he's used to, you know, using whatever they can, the best that they can at the time to make a, a big hip hop sound. And then, yeah, Beastie Boys are like, nah, fuck it. Obviously, he now he's come round and gone, yeah, it works brilliantly. That's what they wanted. That's what ideal for the sign they're looking for. But at the time, apparently, he he hated it. Which is why, you know, in one of the tracks, there's uh, the, the very first sample is Mario C can't front on that, which is uh, Mike D going, I'm telling you, man, this is going to sound good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, but this this track as well, as, like you say, it's a big tribute to Jimi Hendrix. It's all about Hendrix stuff. Um, like the line in this is kind of like a formal dedication, giving out shout for much inspiration. So they're giving it out to the world how much they love the, the Hendrix, and I think that carries through in so many of the other songs about they want to show love for other artists. They want to introduce artists to people. They want to show how much they are inspired by other music and. Give it back, yeah. Which is which is what people who are massive music fans do. It's what mm. we're doing literally right now in this room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. This is this is them putting on a mixtape of their favourite artists and going check this shit out. I I have as we've gone through, I have noted some of in some of the songs my favourite line in each song, yeah. my favourite bit, and in this one, I do like the uh, strapped on my ear goggles and what did I see? But the music brought the people into harmony. Nice. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I'm in a note of, uh, I, I'm Mike Dean, it's been proven, I love it when I see the poly people just moving. That's a great yeah. line as well. Yeah. I fucking Perfect. love that line. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's just an up, up song. And it's about 
let's have a party. Lovely stuff, man. Well, let's move on to track number two. Oh, we should mention as well, that was the the, the third single from the album. Oh, it was, right, yeah, actually, because there were five singles, supposedly, five singles. One of them was more just kind of promoed at the very right. end. But uh, this was the third one, was released in August of 92. It was released in the UK as part of the Frozen Metal Head EP. Um, but it was released in like the Europe and the US as just Jimmy James. It's funny that it's not an, it's, it's not an album that really came to my attention via singles though. Nah. Um, oh shit, no. I mean, they, did they do a lot of business the singles? I mean, I, I mean, no. it just they just seem like I mean, they, obviously their existence means there was videos to play on MTV. You know, when they made it big, little communication. Yeah. Uh, and well, I think I mean when we come on to it, one of the videos was apparently very influential in terms of how videos started to be made. Yeah. And so it uh, was quite a big thing for MTV because it, it influenced a lot of other stuff there. But I think, especially in the UK, none of these... I mean, I think I noticed that one of them got to about number 60 in the charts, and that was it. No, that's Nothing yeah. else. Nothing else. But it, like you say, this was a word of my thing that went on for a couple of years. It wasn't a big hit instantly for any major way. Right, so let's move on to track number two. Crystal, what's it called? It is Funky Boss. Funky Boss. Love that, John. Oh, man, here comes the funk, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's just a deep old groove, in it? Oh, yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, no, this is uh, them messing about on their instruments with a few samples of, like, under the sensei thrown in. And... This is a ridiculous song. It's an absolutely, you know, nonsense song. I once, pe- once performed this song live. Did you? Yeah, it was, it was Dunk was organising a gig at his old school, and there was some band playing. So for this song, me, Nick Goodchild, and Dunk uh, all basically pretended to be the Beastie Boys and sang it on stage. Is <laughs> there a video of that? I sincerely hope not. Wow. <laughs> oh man. That's hilarious. So like this track, man, you've got you've got this you've got this enormous funk groove yeah. and then you've got that chant that they throw in. It's like kinda of like porno Buddhism. <laughs> Is that what got Yoik into Buddhism? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Fair enough. That'll get me in. The only way it would get me in. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got the kind of the big scratch that comes in. Whole track's a minute and thirty six seconds. Oh, it's it's almost throwaway. Yeah, it's kind of it's there and then it's gone, but it's perfect. Uh, and it's you know it's the problem with this record, and we'll come, I think we'll come across this a lot. When you break this album down to the twenty mm. parts of it, mm-hmm. there's not necessarily that much to say about each individual part. Sure, but the way this whole thing sits together, yeah. No, in terms of how it's sequenced, and we'll come into this later on. Yeah. It's perfect. Oh, it's gorgeously done. Um, you know, and even even the tracks which are the lesser tracks. Mm-hmm. Are just are fine because you kind of want a bit of a break, right? They serve a purpose. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you know this is the difference between a playlist and a mixtape. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you know we we come across albums all the time where we're talking about it and we're like oh, I just wouldn't have put these tracks together yeah. in this way or whatever. This is an album that has been sequenced with an enormous amount of love. This is where, mm. where people give a shit about where everything goes. The importance of what goes into what. That is the whole big picture of this. Sure. Anyway, so yeah, yep. Funky Boss, I love it. Oh, I enjoy it. It's great. You know, um, it literally is just them going, Funky Boss, Funky Boss, Funky Bold Ass Boss, get off my back. For whatever reason, I read somewhere that it was supposed to be, you know, a bit about George Bush Sr. Yeah. And the Desert Storm stuff, and they're going, oh, fuck the man. Mm. But 
I don't know if that's actually true. I mean, I'll be honest with you. In retrospect, I think some of the stuff about bald ass boss, I think that's that's unnecessarily hurtful. Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> come it, on, hits you personally. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. So, yeah, anything else to say about that one? No, track three. Track three, pass the mic, and this was the first single which came out just before the album dropped in April of '92. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, presumably, the label wanted to promote this as a hip-hop album so they put they deliberately put a more hip-hop track out so pass the mic a little flute again massive drums fuck me yeah fucking what i I, honestly i I mean snare hits on this that scratching, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Straight back into it. I get that there is at this point, there's not even the bass line in there. It's just a drum and a little bit of kind of background noise. Wow. 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 The house party till my hair turns grey. Wasn't that long. No, quite. Yeah. <laughs> So fucking good this one. I mean, look, I love a posse jam. Yeah, it's it's, it's well known. And the bass is coming in now, is it? Oh no. But when the bass comes in, I love the fact that because it's not uh, it's in four four obviously, but they don't do just a one two three four one two bass line. It's a one two three one two three one two one two three one two three one two. Bam. Um, that's so cool. Just gives it that little kind of off-kiltery yeah, groove to it. Yeah. it. And, and, oh, what a bass line is Yeah, man. All the reverb on that on those snare hits. And mm-hmm. boom, do you know what I mean? Gives it that kind it's of spacey honestly, feel. It's such a strange song, isn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, because it, it doesn't. there's no other song that really sounds anything like it. It's just everything's thrown in, just all over the place. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it's just oh, yeah, the, the kind of crashing guitar, like brown, 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 just thrown in at the end. Oh, it's the thing, like I say, I've, I mean, I've got, I'm a sucker for a posse jam, right? Yeah. And whilst this is, this is uh, the Beastie Boys, like taking an individual mic each, yes. rather than bringing in a load of guest stars, which is a kind of the classic thing for a posse jam. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this isn't their kind of classic all in together kind of uh, wordplay where they're kind of trading off of each other. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their own individual. And look, none of the Beastie Boys are the most technical MCs in the world. Sure. They're not the best MCs, sure. but they've all got unique voices. You know who they are when you hear them. Well, what they've got is chemistry, because obviously yeah. they, they do back and forth well, but not if you listen to, like, compare it to, say, Jurassic 5. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, but but it, it's the chemistry between them that works so well. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's the unique sound. I mean, you know, obviously they got their claim fit staked fairly early in the hip-hop oeuvre in terms of that. Because that's, you know, the one thing that doesn't change between the records. It evolves. Mm-hmm. But that kind of uh, back-and-forth style, it's very much theirs. Yeah. But, I mean, this is a track that's absolutely full of great lines, man. Oh, Talk God, about. Yeah. I mean, I I can't. I mean, I've got I've got a couple of things written down here, man. Like, right. you know, Mike D's with his to tell the truth, I am exactly what I want to be, and yep. it's like what a fucking great. Like when you're there, kind of as a kid looking at this, you know, goes a few years older, he's an adult doing what he wants. You're like, yeah, fuck it, man. Maybe I can just be what I want to be. Yeah, right, and, sure. and, and on that note of being what they want to be, the fact that they leave in. The, uh, the lyric they fucked up as well yeah. it's wonderful yeah. yeah so to anyone listening they say um, they say yeah, they use the word commercial yeah, the, the, twice yeah, it, yeah. It, it, which, in, on the album it's 
everyone rapping like it, it's a commercial, acting like life is a big commercial. Yeah. yeah. That's on the album. Uh, yeah, but it was meant to be rehearsal, isn't it, in the, in the original lyric? Exactly. The second commercial was supposed to be rehearsal, yeah. but they left it in to take the piss out of Mike D for fucking up. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank Wonderful. You. Brilliant. Exactly. Uh, uh, it's so cool. And this is it. They are, they were a gang. They're just a gang of kids who grew up together and rib each other and just be dicks at times to each other. Yeah, just wise-ass kids. Like, yeah. like, like the jackass crew that you don't want to shoot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like all the all the interviews with them, and they just they're just in their own world, and mm. no no one they don't get you know they, no one gets sense out of them at all, nah. and they just make stuff up on the spot, just amusing themselves. Yeah, oh exactly. Yeah, I love that man. Yeah. I love that. I love that wise ass kind of yeah. I mean you know, I mean if I was doing it these days, it'd probably have got old. I would imagine. <laughs> Can't do it in a job interview. This is one of the my favorite songs on this album. Though, yeah, because it's an absolute drop dead classic. It's huge. It just kicks every time, kicks so hard. And one of my favourite lines on the the full album is the, the bit where, you know, but for now, I'd like to ask you how you like the feel of the, the bass, bass in your face, face in the, the crowd. crowd. That, that, no, and that, that, that well. because it's the last line as well, that's just mic drop. It is. Uh, yeah, the, the, there's like silence underneath it and then the beat just smacks yeah. you in the face again. Yeah. It's great. This was the song that we drive around in, yeah, in our cars, and we'd all rap the different parts. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like Wayne's World, because <laughs> <laughs> it, it never stays with one of them for more than a couple of lines. Because it's obviously called past them, like that's what they're doing, and they're just bragging about how good they are, you know, how fantastic they they are at rhyming or whatever. But it just moves and moves and moves. It doesn't stop until I guess at the end, like you say, when they all come in for. I like to feel how oh, you like the feel of the bass in your face in the crowd. Bam. This is one of my favourite tracks. One of yeah. my favourite Beastie Boys tracks of all time. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I, it, was pro- it was my favourite track on the album the first time I heard it. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, and I probably overplayed it, but I still don't li- like it any less. No, in terms of drums, the back and forth vocals, the beautiful use of sampling, where it, where it's just going, going from where the samples form part of the lyrics, mm-hmm. much like on Paul's Boutique. I think, objectively, it's the best song on the album. Yeah, this would be your favourite. Yeah, I, yeah amazing. I've, I've probably got another, I've probably got a different favourite now, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, no, me too, but how could you not fall in love with this one? No, exactly. Uh, no, definitely. So um, they follow up, like, so, so far we've had three tracks that are kind of objectively hip hop. Mm-hmm. Funky Box is objectively, it's a big kind of funk track. Yeah, sure. It's got the chant in it. So now we hit Gratitude, track number four. Right, yeah, number four. And this was the fourth single they released as well. They released mm. this as a single. So that's a big kind of... Sp- that's a riff that wouldn't feel out of place on like a monster magnet. Mm. Does he? Psychedelic. And those... Kind of, the, 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 those cymbal hits sound like really spacey. Everything's just kind of got the stoned in a... But then this vocal comes in and it's a, you know it's a, like almost not a hardcore vocal, mm. but it's towards that side of things. Yeah, it's a proto sabotage the song, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah, you can see that that was what they were aiming at. Yeah, and this is the interesting thing, so because if you've before you've if all you've ever listened to is been a Beast of Boys fan and you've listened to their studio output at this point. Right, so you've gone like kind of uh, license to ill. License to ill. You've gone. This is the first track that isn't 
in any way a hip hop track. Okay. This isn't in any way a hip hop track. It's got a funk feel to it. It's got a funk punk feel to mm -hmm. it. But space rock. But this isn't a hip hop track. But somehow, right, it's not jarring and it doesn't feel out of place. No. And no, I don't remember it feeling jarring the first time I heard it. No, no, same here. And I'm not a fan of punk uh, yeah. along these lines at all. Mm. But I never went, oh, I might skip this. But you know what, though? It's got the funk. It does, and, yeah. I, and I, I think that's a big part of it. Um, and also, I love it when uh, Money Mark comes in about sort of two eleven. That's, right. that's that's kind of he makes his mark at that point. But um, <laughs> about two eleven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah. love you've written that. Like you haven't written it down. About two eleven. No, I, I would guess. I wrote two eleven, but I know that I guessed it. So I didn't quite pay attention. Ah, fair so. enough. Fair enough. Um, uh, but yeah, no, but it's got the funk though. It's not. It's not the drums on that are. You know, they could be funk drums. Yeah. And the bass line, while it is. You know, I'm, I'm more towards the the rock side of things. You could, if if it was a different vocal on top of this, you could make this a funk track. But the weird thing is, as well, you could also, but you could also hear that bass line, and you could also hear that guitar, and you could hear that on like uh, a doom song. You could hear that okay. bass line on, on like on a like on an Earth track or something, like a really slowed down doom track. Play if you've got the beat playing at half time, mm. like it, 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 you know, it's very much. A sound that people are still doing in you know, metal right. at the moment. You right, know? fair enough. Um, yeah, it's very much like a picture of a band with long hair in unison on that. Yeah. Like, nodding back and forth. Well, I mean, this has been covered. It was covered live by the Rollins Band when they were touring. They kind of, you know, interpolated this into their set, yeah. a, a snippet of it. Um, it's also been covered by Refused mm -hmm. and The Transplants, you know, yeah. you know, two kind of bands on the punk side of rock. Um, so, A, I guess they're showing respect for the Beastie Boys heritage and the fact that they were trying to do new things while they weren't just being a hip-hop act they're opening people's minds to other stuff mm. but also it's just a banger of a tune yeah you know you, you want to cover this because it's a great song see I mean I was, I was when this album came out I mean you know skateboarding was a massive part of my life you know sure so you know and, and, and this album plays out like a skate video in so many different ways like because you hear this song is picture skate video surely yeah. oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah and also it's all the um, I mean all their videos all that that's the fisheye lens as well yeah. which you always get on skate videos yeah and that's the thing you know I was you know I was watching a lot of skate videos and skate videos would go from you know so you, you'd You'd watch a, a piece and someone would be skating to a hip hop track, and then someone would be going to like a thrash track or mm, a sure. hardcore punk track. And this album kind of, you know, obviously it was it was immersed in that culture. You know, they were mm. they were they were immersed in that. You know, big bin skaters. They, were, they came out in New York where a lot of that stuff was yeah, happening. Yeah. And to me, this was the crystallization of that. You know, it's like, and that's I guess part of so much why I went. Oh, this is just my band. You know? Nice. Because Beastie Boys always felt like my band. Uh, oh right, it, it just fitted your outlook on life. Yeah, it, yeah. it was. It was just like, ah, oh, this is this is perfect. I, I, this feels like it was Taylor made for me. Mm. This, this almost uh, this always makes me feel generic. <laughs> <laughs> Slotted. What's he like? He likes the Beastie Boys. Oh, he's one of them. <coughs> Lyrically as well, I like it's, it's you know it's, it's positivity and it's you know, it's called gratitude. It's be grateful for what you've got while you've got it. You know, you never know when stuff might disappear. Um, it's a sentiment I think we'll see a few times in this as well. Yes, it does come back, doesn't it? Yeah, because when you look at stuff like, I mean, especially like License to Will was just about being dicks and having parties. Yeah. Paul's Boutique was, there was a lot of silliness on there with egg rate and mojo and, you know, this sort of stuff. And the hip hop stuff was more of just the, the braggadocio. Mm -hmm. This time they're actually, there's a, a message sometimes. Mm -hmm. And this is presumably something to do with uh, Yoke's oncoming transition into Buddhism. But they are starting to think about 
the world and other things. It's not just this. I'm just the best MC. Yeah, no, and it's it's around this time that they also they they yeah people recognise them as being not that frat boy band anymore. Indeed, well, yeah, exactly. This managed to change perceptions of them, but for that reason, and that was the thing, you know. I mean, I think they were obviously playing at the time, playing up to that, you know. They, I don't think they ever oh, really, sure. you know. There's an element of immaturity where if you find something funny and people are getting annoyed by it, you play up to mm. it, and then at some point you go, oh, hang on a minute, people actually think this is what we are right yeah. and these jokes don't play out of context and you know maybe they went a little bit overly pious towards the end there was the whole thing of asking them not uh, the asking prodigy, a prodigy not yeah. to place one of their biggest tracks you know and it's like oh that's kind of yeah that's kind of hypocritical have, yeah, your massive penises on stage and uh, yeah you know just talk shit about everyone but i suppose it also if you are the kind of band who gets the controversy for being you know the are oh, those like frat boy dickheads then you get a load of frat boy dickheads coming to your show. Yeah. And you go, oh, fuck, this has gone wrong. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's like uh, Kurt Cobain, whenever meathead dicks would start coming to his yeah. shows. And he's like, this, I don't want you. I know you just like the riffs, but this is not my fan base. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the, there's a, a deliberate change for that way as well. Fair do. So track number five. Lighten up. Lots of bongos on this one. Percussive funk. Mm-hmm. Right, really. That's nice. what I've got written mm-hmm. down. Yeah, this is more of just a kind of a groove. Yeah, there's a lot of different interesting sounds and rhythms throughout this, mm. you know. And it's slinky, and it, and it is, it's funky, there's a bass line comes in, it's nice. And again, Money Mark is great yeah, on this. Yeah, but, the keys um, on this, yeah. But it, again, it's, on, a, on a lesser album, this would be filler. You know, this is, I'd skip this it on a lesser album, album but, yeah. but, but I'll hear it every time I listen to it. Yeah, oh, definitely. Definitely. And again, this is, I think this is, you know, really where you start to... It's really clear. You've got that, that, that 90s tribute to the 70s kind of thing. There's a lot of wah wah guitar in it. Yes. Uh huh. It's deliberately sleazy and, you know, lo fi. Hmm. It's, it's just like a, chi- you can, it's like a smoky room chilling out. Yeah. This is uh, a vibe of a song. But I'd whenever, because the first half of it really is just the bongos for the beat, but then when it slows down in the middle and it kicks back in with a bow, 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 boom, 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 boom the, the full drums come in in the bass line, yeah. then it you know, it kind of lifts it up a notch as well. This again, it, like you say, Ty, I would never skip this because this is enough in the the flow of this album. That it fits exactly yeah. where it should be. It's what you need after gratitude. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, indeed. You've you've had the the full on on your face. You chill it out a little bit. That's a moose bush. Lovely. Right there we go. Um, so track number six. Right, finger licking good. I've written finger looking good here, but I think it is looking pretty good. Yeah. This has got some funky beat on it. Yeah, and a, and a cracking opening line as well. I love that, that, that weird high song. I think it's good. Dirty, dirty bass line back to come in. Talking no bullshit. Yeah, the beats on this one. Oh, 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 yeah, like I say, the hi hat is just. Oh, well, because you got just this beat, and then you got the when it when it comes in with the different beat and the kind of the, the ride symbol yeah. on it, the offbeat ride. It's beautiful. That big splash in there as well, you know. I mean, it's just changed that to that. 
Obviously, we're firmly, firmly back in hip hop territory. Now, yeah. So. I mean, you know, this is, you know, this, this is another great example of just that pop culture encyclopedia. You know, sure. so many, you know, kind of Puma, Mini the Moocher. Yeah. You know, all of these different little things that are in there. It's like, I've got more, I've got bigger buns than my mom, Paul Bunyan, or I've got more spice than the Frugal Gourmet. It is yeah. just like, bam, reference, 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 yeah. reference. Yeah. I, I love, I love so many things in this. You know, I, again, Mike D. Mike D's got so many of the best lines on this record. Yeah. A million ideas that are even, even rock yeah. yeah. That is great. Um, and this is one of the only songs on here that's only two of the Beastie Boys on it. It's only Yike and Mike D. Yeah. Uh, rock, uh, I think I read that he, uh, yeah, he's doing the cuts on this one. But he let the other two just have this. And so it's just back and forth between the two of them. And the thing is, like, as it, like, because like, that, the, the, the trade kind of increases as the track goes on. It kind mm. of almost builds right to the end. And then you've got, like, kind of those, uh, the traded rhymes just before that kind of sample comes in. Oh, the Bob Dylan sample. Yeah, yeah, the Dylan yeah. sample, yep. yeah. Back to New, New York, York City, City, I do believe I've enough. But it is, it's classic hip-hop, this is. You know, it's, yeah. it is back and forth, trade, trade, trade. Uh, but the the beat, the bass line, everything is just as fantastic. And also, I mean, they, they you know, the, the scratching on this album, mm-hmm. it's it's not particularly um, complicated, but yet it, it works so well as part of the sound and part of the songs. It never it yeah. never grates on the ear like, say, Eric B's cuts on, no, on, 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 those. Those, uh, on those first Rakeem albums. Yeah, sure. Do. It, you know, it fits in perfectly as, as, as percussion. And but, like, look at what happened when they got one of the world's best DJs. It wasn't as good. Yeah, it didn't know, fit as well. No, I yeah. mean that. You know, Hello Nasty is a patchy album, in my opinion. No, I I agree. Um, and every album after that was a bit rubbish. But mm. uh, I mean, some of some of that you can't pin on uh, Mixmaster Mike. Yeah, you know, that was just they wrote some shit songs and had, had some very bad ideas. Yeah, but for this album, you know, be it Ad Rock or Yike doing the cuts, it is. It is like them just playing another instrument. You're right. Yeah. It just fits in with the whole flow of everything. Doesn't doesn't spoil it. Doesn't go too far up in the mix. It's just there. And if you if you weren't even listening for them, you might not even notice them because they're just part of the yeah. overall package. Brilliant track. Yeah, I love this track. It does, and it doesn't let up. It you know kicks in. It does not let up until the very end. It goes right through. Uh, best line in this one for me. Keyboard money, Mark. You know he ain't having it. Just give him some wood and he'll build you a cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're not a fan of the Beastie Boys, the reason that's good is uh, Money Mark, uh, who uh, plays all the keyboards on this, also has a very good solo album from about 1995, which is well worth mm-hmm. checking out. 96 maybe, I don't know. Um, but he, his, like, his other job was being a carpenter. Yeah, yeah. well that's how he met the Beastie Boys. Yeah. yeah, he was doing some work in one of the studios that uh, I think the, the Mario Caldato was doing some stuff with. Uh, and then the Beastie Boys needed some work done on the G-Sun studio they were building. He helped out on that. They started jamming because they found yeah. out he was in bands and then became part of the... I mean, that's the like Harris, how Harrison Ford met George Lucas yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And like how you know, Jesus met everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, he made a cross. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, ah, yeah, I, know, I know what you can do with that. Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, no, is anyone who talks about that? It's like, mm, seems a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> Hoist by your own petard here. <laughs> <laughs> John Luke Petard. Yeah. God. Fucking hell. Right, well, we're kind of about a third of the way through this album. Let's do a quick little sojourn into some of the other albums that have come out so far in 992. Not just because we've got Psy here, 
who's going to have different views and will have listened to different things than we have. We've already talked about some of these. But let's just have a quick look and see what you were listening to at this time as well, Si. If we look back through what else came out, we've got things like, um, in January, Afghan Wigs Congregation came out. I know you're a big Afghan Wigs fan. Did yeah. you have this album? Or... Uh, so I had a friend of mine... Uh, Julian, he always had all the American indie albums. So he had right. he had everything like on, on Sub Pop and Amphetamine Reptile and that sort of thing. Sure. So he would have got me into this around about this time. So I think Turn on the Water is on this album. Oh, right. And that was sure. the first song that I kind of that I right. dug of theirs. And did you like him from the start? Um so this congregation is their third album. Okay. So, um, but yes, yeah, like so I, from, from the start, from you hearing them. Oh yeah, pretty much straight away. Yeah. Um, and then only got more into more into them as as time got. Was on. the next one, uh, gentlemen. Gentlemen was the next one. That, right. That that's that's that's, that's the first time. That's heard one of my top ten albums of all time. I, think. I see. Uh, but congregation's a wonderful album. It's yeah. a, it's again like so many of those Afghan Wigs albums of that time. It's a horrible album in terms of in terms of some of the things, the some of the lines on and... there, and like a. You were just meat to me. Ooh, all like, right, Greg. Really nasty <laughs> things to say about well, women. Well, yeah, yeah, he has issues along yeah. those lines. But you know, beautifully written. Right. So. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, another one that came out uh, in February was Aphex Twins' selected ambient works eighty-five to ninety-two. Um, and again, I know you're a, a fan of Aphex Twin. Yeah. So that was the so I wouldn't have got into Aphex Twin until about two years after this. Right. When I went to university, and you know. And kind of got into dance music and but yeah right other people playing it yeah yeah but yeah ambient works one is is a brilliant album it's, yeah uh, it's, it's, I never it was, it was my go to fall it. asleep oh really well fall asleep stoned out yeah fall asleep keel over yeah. in a smoky room this is the headphones records for me I'm not, I'm yeah. not a massive Aphex Twin fan by any means yeah but I, this is my this is my favourite this is the this is the Aphex Twin record I will listen to you really yeah yeah. It mean I, I can't even tell you what's on this or you know where it sits in the, in the, like what his his sound is. But for me, he's he goes too jarring at times and too. All right, fuck you! I'm going to make this unlistenable. This isn't that record, but this isn't that. This one. is no. this is you can you can put this album on. This is I mean ambient works. It's I mean it's not an ambient record really in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's too beaty for that. I would right. say. Yeah, but, I guess so. I mean, in, you know, in in terms of the kind of the pure kind of Brian Eno. No, absolutely. Okay, sure. Yeah. No, the, the next album is is that way. But again, the next album, Ambient Works Two, is. Is actually a little bit unsettling. Yeah. Whereas this is a very warm album. Okay, yeah. fine. This it's it, it, it's a nice record. We we could ha- we could be sitting around, have it on in the background, and you'd have a nice time. I see. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, another one that stood out to me uh, in terms of size, music, taste, and what you were probably listening to in the year ninety two, Mega City Four released Sebastopol Road. Yeah. I was in a... February or March or something like that. Yes, I was a big Mega City Four fan. Yeah. Um. They were one of the bands. They, 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 you know, talk about bands that are your bands. Yeah. That, that was one of my bands. I think I saw them like 14 oh, mate, times. If anyone ever says to me, Mega City 4, which, you know, happens all the time. In all the time, life, yeah. All the time. I always think of Psy. Straight away, I just go, Psy. Which has lost you pub quizzes about Judge Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> Probably has. But yeah, they, yeah they, they, I made a lot of friends, Mega City 4 gigs. I think I, I, yeah. I, I stayed at their house once after a gig. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Fucking hell. So you saw them a lot at this time. Yeah. Any time yeah. they were coming. Anytime, yeah, and because they were from Surrey, so therefore they paid played pretty uh, regularly near me as oh well. Nice, I see. Oh, do you, do you reckon anyone from Mega City Four can afford a house in Surrey these days? <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely not the singer. No, no, and the, and the guitarist lives in Spain, so yeah, well, that's maybe that's why they left. What happened to the singer? Died. Uh, yeah. What of? Uh, blood clot on the brain. Blood clot. 
Uh, well, in fact, when, when, when he was when he was our age, forty-four, I think. Fuck. Yeah. Cool. All right, but well, that's just a few things. This is so in '92, because you said obviously that until you heard "Check Your Head," for yeah. example, you were listening to mostly the indie stuff. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that you were into at that this point then. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it didn't really have a there was yeah these a lot of these bands don't really ha- share much in common in terms of sound, mm-hmm. but in terms of scene, yeah. It's, no, exactly. It's, yeah, it's these, and they and they always to play together the same gigs. I mean, this was what essentially commercial indie was outside of the Manchester thing, right? Gotcha. That sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we see some point uh, throughout this year, singles are coming through by census things, and Sultans are paying, and that sort of thing. It was that kind of uh, stuff was happening, yeah, and that was what was the big thing in the enemy or the melody maker. There was the, yeah, and it's these the, bands. It's, yeah, it's, and this kind of era, I think, is. It's like the birth of the indie disco as well. Mm. Or certainly when indie discos start popping up in provincial towns. Right, sure. Yeah, true. I mean, 92, you said, was that, no, it wasn't your first Reading, was it? Uh, yeah, 92 was your first. Yeah. It was my first Reading as well. Yeah. And if you look back at the lineup on that, obviously, you know, apart from the, the top ones, Nirvana, Public Enemy and stuff, the, the, the sort of main stage, lower half, and the second stage, everything, that is such a, a sort of a snapshot of an indie scene at that point. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's all bands like Mega City 4 and Silverfish and this sort of stuff. But it, I mean, they always were, though. And, I, you know, I wonder, I wonder if if it in some way it still is that a little bit. I mean, obviously, I know that... Maybe. You know, I, I wonder if there are... Because, I mean, I guess I'm... I feel like I'm not as removed from music tribalism as I was, but then all of a sudden I'll hear about an enormous artist that are playing arenas, and I'll be like, "Oh, I've never heard of you," yeah. and I'm surprised. So light. I'm so yeah, so far, like just so surprised by how outside the. I mean, I only just listened to the Billie Eilish album, to be honest with you. Yeah, quite liked it. Yeah, it's not oh, bad. Yeah, well, I must admit, I I'm I'm much more out of the loop than either of you two boys on this, so I can't really proffer an opinion. Which is fine with me. Don't doesn't, give a shit. Doesn't normally stop you. No, carry on. Um, okay, well, look, that was just a little kind of what else is going on. Shall we go back into Beastie Boys? Yes. Yes, yes indeed. So track number seven. Seven is So What You Want. Let's just not even say anything. Let's just listen to this. Yeah, my God. <laughs> My God! Again, distortion the drums. Voice. Yeah. Oh my fucking God! Intro. The riff on the chorus is about to drop in and in it. Yeah, the samples on this are just. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of they're the they're the sort of bedrock of, of the song. Yeah, the samples. It's just big, ballsy, but it's, it's bare and stripped down at this point. There's not a lot going on apart from the beat and the vocals, but. Then stuff creeps in, that organ, and yeah. layers. Actually, no, fuck it. This is my best song on the album. This is, a, this, yeah. is my, this is my best song on the album. Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow, okay. I love this. It's just like a massive head nod. This is, per- this is perfect for knobbing around in clubs on dance floors. Too. It's, it's this. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, at one, I think at 1 minute 10, it's my favourite moment on the album. Oh, it's coming up, then. With uh, Mike D's Yeah, Yeah, Yeah in the background. Was it Ad Rock? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. <laughs> I just love that. I love that. Wicked. Oh, wicked. Yeah, no, this is amazing. This, right, this is a track that's just fucking full of great lyrics. That's sweeter, like a, so sweeter than a cherry pie with ready whipped topping. <laughs> so good, man. 
That fucking was like, you're fucking, you're hot to trot, you think you're slicker than grease, I've got news for your crew, you'll be sucking like a leech. Yeah. And also the Amazing. way he rides the beat on, I think I'm losing my mind this, this time, time, this time, I'm, I'm losing my mind. mind. That's right, this yeah. time. Yeah, it's oh, so it's fucking good, man. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the, they are, or, I mean, you know, the way they ride beats generally is pretty fucking decent, but they are on rare form on this track. Yeah, sublime. Yeah. Absolutely sublime. And yeah. this, this was also a single. This was the second single released in June of 92. And this is the one with the video of them kind of in the woods, fisheye land, mm-hmm. massive, weird, uh, I don't know how you'd describe the effects. Oh, uh, when the colour colours all different. Yeah, yeah. exactly, all that. Yeah. Um, and apparently this is the one I was talking about earlier because apparently this is one of the first videos where it was obviously recorded with the vocals sped up so that they could slow it down to normal pace and they look like they're moving in slow motion but still the song is at the same this mm. apparently was one of the first ones to do that yeah. and then that was just everywhere you know you can think of so many other videos that do the same thing but this was one of the first ones to actually do it yeah but I had yeah I mean I had some great videos over the years which I did the stuff with Spike Jones. I think the first time I ever saw skateboard in a video was on one of these videos I saw it on like the word or something oh, okay. like that or one one of those kind of youth programs snub TV some shit yeah. like that yeah, right yeah, okay yeah. but this is just a great fucking big big fucking dirty great hip hop oh it's amazing absolutely brilliant and this is again another one where they've got those the shitty mics distorting everything yeah. but it sounds so cool it sounds yeah. this is infinitely better than if they just used a, a, a good microphone that sounded really clean that wouldn't work at all yeah. and I, which is you know one of the reasons why we record our podcast in this way <laughs> yeah of course yes <laughs> on shitty bullshit mics yeah, yeah. It's, it, I mean I, I find by ill communication it's starting to get a bit stale that there's too much distortion right, on, okay. on vocals on the, but on here it's perfect because oh, it, it, this was yeah exactly this is new and novel yeah, yeah true uh, so you're saying this is your favourite song Dave on the album yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Mine's still to come, but this is amazing. Track number eight, then. Shortest track on the album. Yes. Um, can you call it a track? The Biz versus the Nuge. If this track wasn't on the album, I wouldn't love it as much as I do. Really? I fucking love this track. It's one yeah. of my favourite bits of the album. I, mean, I must admit, when I first heard it, I just assumed it was the intro to the next track. I didn't think it was a track by itself. Yeah. Well, like, like the Blue Nun would come to that as well. Yeah, the, see, the Blue Nun, I would take off the album. No. Oh, I would I love the Blue Nun. Oh, I think it's... I think that's part um, of the fun. So it's the first time I saw Beastie Boys. They came onto this. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I saw cool. the Astoria doing a Glastonbury warm-up show. Yeah, yeah. With uh, it was them, Luscious Jackson, the Goats, and the Brotherhood. Holy God! What a lineup! Wow! Right. Oh, Brotherhood. Yeah, but I think at the time we'd all fooled ourselves into thinking they were good. Well, One yeah. shot's all you got at this life. <laughs> yeah, rubbish. Um, but yeah, I mean that that is just Biz Markey, who apparently came around their studio all the time to hang out, recorded this over uh, Ted Nugent. Sample his his guitar lick apparently made it on the album. Yeah, I, I, I mean I do I do love Bismarcky's singing voice. It's so <laughs> it's glorious. I mean, if you've got if you've got this rec- you, you you look like like kind of, oh somehow it's made up there. If you've got Bismarcky singing that, yeah, how do you not? Put yeah. it on no, you're right. You're what right. kind yes. of cultural riches do you have? <laughs> True enough. Yeah, that's fair. That is absolutely. Yeah, fair. but there is not much to say about it. No, no, it's it. it's it's almost like a skit in itself. Track number nine, "Time for Living," and this is obviously this is what we just this is the the Spike Jones directed skateboarding video. Right. Yes. Yes, indeed. And this is the most 
along the hardcore lines that they go on this. And I love this. Yeah. I love it. It's just ratty and scrappy. Just like that sloppily played kind of Mm -hmm. hardcore punk. Played fast, loose, recorded as lo-fi as it gets. Oh, it sounds like it's in a shed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I love it. And And I say that as someone who... I really don't like those comedy double time colour versions of my punk, my punk bands sure. and that's exactly what this well it's not comedy but that, that's what this is it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a punked up slice stone tune yeah it? well indeed and you know I mean I, you know around around this time I was going to I was going to a lot of gigs of bands who sounded a lot like this you know? right I was going to a lot of kind of New York hardcore shows and I was going to see you know, kind of Mad Ball and Agnostic Front and all of those mm-hmm. kind of bands, and that's really, you know, you know, uh, you know, it's. Uh, it, I don't very often think I'm going to put on a really kind of down-tuned, aggressive hardcore sound. I got pretty bored with the aesthetic of it relatively quickly. Okay. But, yeah, I, I never, <clears throat> I never went down a hardcore route. Uh, I mean, I, I, I had my, no, I had my either. minutes in it. I, I love. Oh no, you, I know you're a fan of a lot of those bands, uh, but it was never my thing. But similar to uh, when I was talking about gratitude, for whatever reason, maybe it's just pure bias because I want to love it because it's on this album. I, I do enjoy this song. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess this this was a time where you listened to stuff until you loved it. Yeah, well. uh, yeah. This just got into yeah. it. But from that interaction before, like when you go on to ill communication, you don't have the same feelings about like heart attack now or sabotage. No, do you? no, not at all. Not at all. No, I'm the same. Right, yeah, they, they do S- not... Sound of sabotage, I get. But Heart, heart Attack Man, I yeah. don't... Uh, no, see, I, 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 on Ill Communication, I love Tough Guy and I love Heart Attack Man. I love both those tracks. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Well, I suppose you're you're definitely more uh, predisposed to yeah. liking those than, than me anyway. Um, but yeah, the story you alluded to earlier, Sai, is that Time for Living is a Sly and the Family Stone song. Yeah. Um, the kind of the music that, that they're doing it over apparently is by an 80s hardcore band called The Frontline that Yoke oh, was a, really? a fan of. He was a fan of them. And he knew their singer. And he's like, oh, can we just do this? And the, this is just them jamming. Yeah. This is them jamming, again, very early on in the recording of it, just doing some shit. And so uh, two of them start playing that riff from a song that they know. And they said to Mike D, just get in and do some lyrics. Just do whatever you want. We're going to have just a fucking whatever you, comes to mind. He couldn't think of anything, but uh, was r- rifling through some records that were in the studio. One of them was this live stone one, and it had the lyrics on there, and he just started, he thought, well, fuck it, I'll just start saying these and see if anything else happens. But it fitted, and it worked, so he just kept it in. So it is a cover of a, a Sly and Family Stone song, but it's a mistaken cover. It's it was never meant up, to be. It? Yeah. 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 It's, it's like the Sugar Babes cover of Adina Howard. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that came on my playlist last night, and that's a fucking that's a, banger. Yeah, it's a big tune. That is true. Um, and this is one of the only ones that uh, none of the Beastie Boys or the associated people on this album are credited with writing because it's Sly Stone and this band, The Frontline. So you would definitely consider it a cover, but it's almost like two covers. Mm. Uh, but also, this is only one minute forty-eight long as well. It's in and out before it has time to, you know, be annoying or anything like that. Yeah, the look on your face, Dave. I can I can just read the jokes off you. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I haven't got it. Cool. Um, but should we move on to number 10? Yep. Track number 10 is called Something's Got to Give. And this is just a, a brilliant bit. Of, this is the kind of representative of the track. And you follow up the heaviest track on the album mm-hmm. with one of the most mellow, if oh, not the most I'd mellow. I'd say so, sure. Yeah. And this is all, again, about uber-positive lyrics. Um, 
even if there's if stuff is coming to a head, something's got to give. We've got to you know come together and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, like kind of let the uh, let the aggression go. Something's yeah, got to give. Again, it, feel, it feels like MCA's influence yeah, on the band. I say so. I say so. So yeah, you know, it's a it's a slow funk jam mm-hmm. with kind of trippy psychedelic sounds in it. We've you know we've we've been in this territory before on this record, having a lot of fun with phases and compression mm-hmm. guitars sure. on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, again, it, it just it just sits nicely in the sequence of the record, you know. And yes. I, and I know I remember at the time this totally changed. You know, I I would every mixtape I would make would have. A, just a mix of all of the different styles of stuff that I was into. I would mm-hmm. never be like, here's my hip-hop mix. Okay, sure. Or here's my metal mix. Here's my... It would be, you know, I would want to have, like, okay, this track next to this track. And, you know, I, I would I would want... I'd be really proud of the fact that I was into the different... It, it, it may have been a fairly narrow avenue in terms okay, of but, various styles that I was into. But I was proud... You know, I used to like... I used to, you know, contrarian dickles. I used to like wearing to a concert the most... Opposite. Of, oh sure, yeah. Of what that? You are you are a metal T-shirt to hip hop concert, yeah, vice exactly. versa. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, this one, it, it is. It's like exactly halfway through the album, so it is. It's a nice, in terms of where we're at. It calms everything down again. Um, there's a fucking brilliant drum break halfway through it before it comes back in that just like, like almost like a drum solo. Uh, the only thing I'm not keen on this is the. That's a little bit hippy dippy for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I wouldn't want it off it, but I mm. do skip this off. Fine, fine. I, I wouldn't skip it, but I would probably tune out yeah. while it's on. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's totally fine. Totally fine. However, the next one, track number eleven, we already talked about it. The Blue Nun. Oh, oh what? This is bollocks. Again. This is pointless, nice. pointless oh, nonsense. Fun. Oh, this is ex- yeah, but it's so Beastie Boys though, yeah, man. It's the whole vibe. They've, they've found something. They've found something that they like that they find funny. Uh-huh. They've put it in. They've put a little scratch in it, uh, and it sets up the next track. The point of it is, it's like it's, it goes really well with the chicken, and then they go into the, the into stand together, which has got that kind of chicken squawk sound. I think I think you're reaching there. No, but absolutely not. I also, That's absolutely also, intentional. I also find that the actual like the voices just really pleasing as well. Yeah, yeah? it does go well for chicken. It's just uh, lovely. Yeah, no, no, that, no, 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 are you saying that you think that that chicken squawk thing isn't intentional? You think that's just a coincidence? I don't. I don't think it sounds like a chicken squawk. You don't think that the thing in stands together sounds like a chicken. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no the next track is, yeah. is stand together. Right. Listen, listen to how stand together starts. Oh, the saxophone thing. Yeah, that's a chicken squawk. It obviously sounds. That's obviously what it's supposed. I've to never be. put that together. Well, I, 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 I would. I, I don't put, think. I don't think I have. But uh-huh. I, I'll, I'd go with it. Okay. I, 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 I will put money on the fact that that's the reason that's there and that's in front of it. You know, yeah. yeah it, it does go well with a chicken straight into something that sounds just like a chicken. <laughs> of course, <laughs> man. That's it. Wow. I've, ne- I've never thought about it. Well, that well, well, maybe now you'll appreciate it more. I certainly won't. I'll still skip it. God, you're so stubborn. Yeah. This is a good song for two notes. Mate, that, 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 yeah, that string sample from the uh, James Brown song at the very start. That, that, that's that's, that's world. epic. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. epic. Yeah. It's kind of like a heavy electro disco funk, you know. Yeah. It's got that, you know. The guitar <coughs> sounds like a stylophone in it almost, doesn't it? You know? Mm. Yeah. Fuzzy, kind of just... just Really nice licks, and the, the scratching is really fun on it. 
Yeah, I mean, this is one where the lyrics are, the lyrics are kind of barely audible. You can't really even hear, you can hardly hear mm. what I say most of the time. Yeah, well, because the, the, the music is so dense, there's yeah. so much else going on. And yeah. it's one of those tracks, I can almost forget that this track exists. Like, if, mm. if someone said to me, oh, you know, that track, Stand Together, off of uh, Check Your Head, I'd be like, is that? Which one? Yeah, you'd be thinking, yeah, it's called Get It Together, mate, actually. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> it's on the next album, dickhead. But yeah, no, it's, uh, but it's great, it's fun. It, yeah, the album wouldn't be right without no, it. No, indeed. And again, this is uh, just Yike on lyrics, uh, apart from the outro, where there's a little bit of the uh, record coming But it's, this is just him, and so again, it's all about him his, and his worldview, his changing worldview. So it's lyrics like, uh, I don't see things quite the same as I used to, as I live my life, I've just got me to be true to. Things like this. So it's, it's again, pointing in the direction of where he's going to go. Yeah. Uh, got the vibrations of the music bringing light to your mind so you can move and groove and feel the beat of the time. You know, he's looking for a bit more meaning in yeah. his life. He's wanting people, and it's called stand together, he wants people to come together. You know, that's the, the message he's trying to heal your divisions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it doesn't sound like a hippy-dippy song. It sounds like a fucking good anthemic chugger of a song chugger 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 yeah chugger yeah, chugger no <laughs> oh god oh. come on fuck a guy <laughs> chugger oh, my brother was... came, my brother went to prison don't get out on this July oh, oh. come on fuck a guy <laughs> oh one of the great YouTube finds chugger no? we'll show you it after this yeah. it's fucking lovely it's so funny it's, yeah quality so yeah, no, I think this works really well. Again, it, it fits perfectly in the album. You've just had, well, apart from the blue line, you've just had the something got to give the really laid back one. This comes in again harder, mm-hmm. and then we move on to track number thirteen, which is, and I think you'll find it's pronounced "pow." <laughs> I mean, I think you find it fucking easy. <laughs> So we've got Money Mark knocking it out. Yeah. Yeah, so this this is the song that made me realise I rather like funk. Yeah. Yeah. Damn right. This is, you know, the thing I get out of this more than anything, it's another kind of funk jam. But there's just something about everyone just sound, you can't see their faces, but there's just something in the play and you're like, everyone's having a really good time. Oh, they are loving this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely loving it. Yeah, and this is, it comes from, they would do loads of jams. Oh, one of my favourite little drum songs called Mike D on drums, and that man can play drums. This is—it's not the most complicated thing in the world, but you can't just get on a drum kit and do that. No, you have a feel for it. Yeah. Or pie, as it should be. Par. Um, they, they basically, they, whenever they're recording this and they were just jamming stuff, they said they would be listening to other stuff, other music, and quite often they would put on a meters record and go. Oh, let's let's you know jam along to this and see what happens. Oh, this, it's good. Yeah. So it went from there exactly. And this is the first time on this album that we have seen this pure funk. Yeah. You know, we, we've obviously seen them doing a funky groove or a bassline on the other uh, tracks as well, but this is the one where it's just a funk instrumental. Yeah. yeah. And you can you, you like to pitch them in the studio, and it's probably mm. worth sort of you know saying something about the studio. Cause this is when they've they've had their purpose-built studio, isn't it? Indeed. Yes. And they've got. They've got, I mean, they've got, they've got a, like a small basketball, basketball court there. Yeah. I skate mean, ramp. Skate ramp. You just, I mean, 
No, I mean, who doesn't want to be in the Beastie Boys at no, this they're, point? They're having the best time of their life. And this life. is what you want to know about the differences to the music industry in the 90s and music industry today. They've just had an enormous flop of a record and they can still do this. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Whereas if you have an enormous flop of a record, you have to record it in your basement yeah. for the rest of your or, life. Or they'd, be, or they'd be doing License to Will Part 2. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, this is, this is good, crisp, upbeat funk, happy times... And again, fits beautifully where it comes on the album. Yeah, without a doubt. And like the, the the way they play with the timing changes towards the back end of this track. That's, that's my favourite. That's my favourite. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Just like yeah, just speed it up, slow it down. You see what I mean? It's such a you know such a type of thing that James Brown would have his band. Oh, do, definitely. For example. Yeah. Slow it down now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make it funky. Yeah. Cool. Um, right. Track number fourteen then. Yeah, the Maestro. The Maestro. About their uh, favourite car by the Rover Group. <laughs> Everyone's got their favourites. Everyone has. Yeah. Is it I, was part, is, a, I was always more of a Montego man. Is it, is it part of their abandoned LP all about the different four? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> the MG Classic, the MG LP. <laughs> nice. There's some quality records going on here as well. Now that so that that bit there, that sampled on um, uh, early Kevin Booker Brothers song, and it's, and it's probably it? worth. So I guess in terms of looking at influence of Beastie Boys, mm. um, big beat, and uh, what happens mm-hmm. in terms of breakbeat in dance music around around the sort of mid nineties. So much of that has come from the Beastie Boys, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, this album, yeah, this album, and then yeah, and later on you've got Fatboy Slim remixing. Um, one of the songs off uh, Hello Nasty. Yes. And that becomes the, the main... Body moving. Body moving, yeah. yeah. And yeah. So all those, all those break beats, sort of dance music of that tempo, yeah, all comes down to, down to this mm. and obviously Rakeem as well. Oh yeah, it, oh, comes, sure. it comes filtered through the yeah. Prodigy as well, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, Pro- Prodigy, if you listen to that uh, like Dirt Session mixtape, so much uh, Beastie Boys on that, a massive influence on me and That's true, yeah. And they're obviously, li- you know, Prodigy, it's loomed pretty heavily over everything in dance music around that time. Yeah. They, you know. But you can, you do, you, you can put money on the fact that, you know, both the Chemical Brothers, Fatboy Slim, everyone in the, the, the top end of the big, big scene, bet you they have this album played to death. Yeah. You know, I bet this featured every party they went to, they chucked this album yeah. on. Because it's, it's I mean, yeah, in the same way that it's, you know, this is, I, I didn't fall in love with dance music through fourth to floor beats with my own there, mm-hmm. I fell enough of it through dancing to this at right. indie clubs. Right. And so yeah, so and that kind of therefore that's why I got into breakbeat dance because it's that it just ties into that exactly same sort of physical reaction you get from it. Mm. And, and yeah. I, I never enjoyed I never enjoyed dancing to flat floor music. I always enjoyed dancing to something with a break to it. So yeah, because the, the, it, it felt like there were more options. <laughs> <laughs> Right, yeah, sure. Also, when you like, if, if you're into dancing with your arms, yeah, it's yeah, better yeah, as well. Yeah, true. I think this is uh, a really good song, and it's definitely not one that I would ever go. It's, it's one of my favourites, or I'd rec- go. Oh, you have to hear the maestro because it's representative of the album. But whenever it comes on, like fucking hell, this is brilliant. So I, I love that lyric of. Uh, yeah, you motherfuckers, I'm all that. I see you looking at me, saying, how can he be so skinny and live so fat? You yeah. know why? Because I'm the maestro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's real black he's, he's not, he's not even, he's not even rapping that, he's just saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I'm, you know, I'm Mike D and I'm known for romance. <laughs> it's a fucking line, man. Yeah. Somebody say Columbo. Yeah. <laughs> All the stuff about detectives they just throw in there. Yeah. <laughs> and my favourite line in this is, um, see, see, this ain't America's most wanted. This is America's most macking. <laughs> yeah, you're the fucking man. And, you, and then you've got that beautifully placed um, Cheech and Song sample of where it stops. You go, you got that. <laughs> That's just... <laughs> Beautifully done. Yeah. Now, this is great fun. This is a big, fun, fun song about this character they're, they're inventing, the maestro, who's whatever, the fucking pimp daddy. Yeah. Brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, track number 15, then, is Groove Holmes. Money Mark has said that this is his favourite song on the album. Well, that's because there's a lot of there's him a on lot there, of him. Yeah. Exactly. Money Mark in the spotlight, I've yeah. written here. He's very much a lounge room jam, isn't he? Oh, yeah. This, yeah. this, to me, conjures a very specific image. It's like blue tuxedos, uh-huh. kind of foil shredded curtains, big sunglasses. Do you know what I mean? Someone at a keyboard. Yeah. You know, it's it's very, very specific. And like this, you know, this song in itself is almost like a, a pop cultural pastiche, isn't it? It's, it's that ironic yeah. the irony is strong here yeah, yeah it, it's it's there the guys with the bleached hair at the tux do kind of you know being making fools of themselves but loving it oh sure sure um whenever they did that tour in about 98 99 was it where they played kind of in the rhyme yeah yeah. They had this whole uh, bit where they went off, got changed into ridiculous seventies toxic, yeah. and came back on, did about three of these songs in a row uh, as a as a little interlude in the middle of it. It is exactly it's them. I mean, obviously they they love playing it, and yeah. they, they are fans. But this is definitely them going. We are so cool. Yeah, yeah. Just fucking check out how ridiculously cool we are that we're playing this very chintzy lounge jazz, but we pull it off. Oh, it's funny. What I find interesting, right? is that when you then juxtapose it with the next song, mm-hmm. Live at PJ's, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's and it's like, oh, hang on a minute, you're essentially doing the same thing again, but you're, this is a different club, and I know exactly what this club looks like as well. Okay. It's yeah. a different yeah. club. This club has got, uh, has got a cabaret seating, everyone's got a little lamp on the table, and, it, and, it's, <laughs> yeah. and it's that, you yeah, know? absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and it's and they're both like very specific pop cultural archetypes, and they manage to do it with the music, and I think that's pretty amazing. Well, then let's uh, let's get into live at PJ's then. And apparently, this was the first song that they recorded for the album. Um, the, again, it was them jamming out. This is what came out of it. This isn't the finished version. This is the first one that they came up with. And another another great opening lyric as well. Oh yeah. Thanks for coming down tonight. It's nice to see all you guys back here. All you guys. But yeah, they're going from that little lounge thing, building it up. There's your beats. I mean, uh, Snoop would do this next year. But yeah, going from the, the laid back into this more in your face, get up and party vibe. You know, I mean, this is hip hop, you know, kind of a hip hop funk track with a trademark kind of vocal on it. Yeah. Big, big percussive beat in the background there. Absolutely. There's some nice cowbell work in this one as well. That works very nicely. And I go through this, and then obviously what this will eventually give way to is it'll fade back into the kind of the skit again. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I would say like Snoop will do this next year when he but he does a, a very very similar thing almost as a skit into one of his tracks on uh, oh, yeah. on Doggy Style which is in 93 I think that sounds right to me yeah we talk about 
a lot of the redundancy of skits on hip hop around this time. There was a lot of terrible fucking skits that we heard on hip hop records around this time. Yeah. Uh, and this manages to kind of do that without really doing it and still be a fun track. Actually, I don't see this as a skit at all. I, I, I think this I is think a standalone the, track. I think the stuff... No, no, I think no, the but, stuff at the start and the end of it are very skittish. No, well, yeah, what, what they are is they're in-jokes, and skits yeah. are yeah. normally in-jokes, which is why they're normally unbearable. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, the, 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 the top and tail of that, I suppose. But, yeah, I think the live pretense... I think it adds something to yeah. the whole feel of it because yeah. it's not live at all. They record it and put those effects in afterwards. But I like what it's doing. It, mm-hmm. it, it, and it does. It makes me feel like I am sitting watching them, a yeah. part of the crowd. Uh, yeah, it totally works. Um, Ad Rock is all is just his vocal on this one. I, I love the bit where it breaks down and then he said, "Can I get a soul clap?" And it was that sort of you know, yes, mate. That I'll is get fucking cool. Together. Oh yeah, yeah. The soul clap, the bass coming back in. And the dre- the beat drops again, and you're back into just this fun fucking groove. Your soul's got the clap. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about skits. I would pretty much put the next one as a skit. Oh, but I love Mark on the Bus. Do you? I love yeah. Mark on it's, the Bus. It's, yeah. a, it's a very well. You should go back to that Money Mark album because this is yeah. this is a very this is very much Money Mark's whimsy. Yeah. Yes. Dream on the bus. When he has said that. He was up late one night trying to like do some production work, trying to do some stuff, and it was like six in the morning. Yeah. He found a bit of a groove on one of their recording tapes, and he almost doesn't remember their singing this stuff. He was just singing some shit in his head, and this is what came out. It's just a nice little lament though about about commuting and being, you know, like trying, you know, drifting away from your day to day grind. Yeah. Yeah. And nice again, they let, yeah, and again, it's the right legs. Well, you know, exactly. One minute long. Yeah. That's fine. And it breaks up the the, the rest of the yeah. the album. It, it fits in between other stuff. But yeah, no, I think this is again. This is fluff. This is throwaway for me. However, right, the next track is my favourite track. Oh, I, I I I had no doubt yeah. about that whatsoever. Yeah. And the weird thing is, right? So, Mark and the Bus is. Uh, track number 17 mm-hmm. so for me to get to track 18 on an album and that be my favourite yeah. I think is astonishing I'm not that person I'm usually like the first track the big one the single that's my, my jam yeah. and it's also because at the for the first time I heard this first few times I heard it I didn't actually like this the next song Professor Booty this I, is my least favourite hip hop track on it is that right album, yeah. oh right no oh, I, I think love this is it, incredible I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like it but well, it's, of course. it's the you know Right, no, I, I disliked it the first few times I heard it. it Lyrically, it's great, because it, it's, it's battle rhymes. Yeah. So it's just wonderful to listen to. And it, it reminds me very much of um, the Paul's Boutique track. It, it wouldn't be out of place on, like, B-Boy Villa Bass. Okay, sure. All right, so it starts off with this sample from Wildstyle, which I didn't find out for years after that this was where it's from, because I had no idea what Wildstyle was in 1993. But then... Drums come in. Very silly sample. Very straight to Luke, but yeah, Professor Booty, that's what we're going with this. And this is. This is a battle line. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and our friend, our friend uh, uh, Becky uh, was like, yeah, this, so Chilla, this is her favourite Beastie yeah, Boys album. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's the, that's the best sample on the album. What's another name for Pirate Treasure? Well, I think it's that's like, just fucking hilarious. I still find it funny. In the same way as off Ill Communication, the best sample is that I knew it was going to be that kind of party. I'm just going to stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Where do they find it? But yeah, so each verse, you know, you know, Ad Rock doing one, Mike Doogie doing one, Yike doing one, and each one has different instrumentation. It's basically their own songs put together. Um, the first two are the same drum beat, Yikes is completely different, uh, but it all fits beautifully together. And the little bass lines that come in and out are gorgeous on this. Okay, absolutely beautiful. And it does have some of the best lyrics on the album. Yeah, yeah definitely. Agreed. Like an MC getting beaver in the DJ booth? Uh, yeah, when Mike D calls out LL Cool J, uh, it says some stuff about him. Uh, MCA calls out MC Search from third base. And I suppose one thing you can say about this, because it's you know about battles and dissing other people, is not the positivity that the rest of the album is, is presenting, but it's a great fun track. You know, it's just a lot of... Uh, I, I smile when I hear how kind of into it they are about what they're trying to say. Yeah. Is, there, is there beef behind it, or is it just... And the, well, cool is, is it just pure traditional battle? Well, uh, Cool J said some stuff about the Beastie Boys because after the Beastie Boys did their first tours, a lot of venues wouldn't put hip hop acts on because they, they got trashed and they got, um, and also because of the, the, all the bad publicity in the news. So Cool J said some stuff about the Beasties saying they were bad for the industry. So Mike D saying stuff about um, you think you got a booming system, uh, but it's like doo doo. doo. Booming yeah. system obviously is a Cool J track. Yeah. You, you know, think you think it's chocolate milk, but it's watered down you. That's yeah, a diss to yeah. Cool J. Um, MCA and the search thing, who knows if it's true or not, but uh, MC Search was, I think he got some advice off one of the Beastie Boys back in the early days of third base, but then the Beastie Boys started taking the piss out of him because he was just whatever, they, 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 asking asking their opinion, they were taking the, just having some fun. MC Search then said some shit about them, and has also been accused of ripping off some of their lyrics, um, which is why you bite in my rhymes, that sort of thing in there. So who knows who was in the right or wrong, or how big a thing it was, but it's definitely them having a, a pop. But, you know, okay. and as well, like, you know, you say it's not the same with the positivity, but again, you know, if you're into that kind of epoch and that cultural thing of hip-hop, then that's, you know, that's part part and parcel of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, you know, the whole thing of, like, uh, you know, resolve it with the rhymes. Mm. You know, it wasn't, until later that stuff got properly out of hand. Well, yeah. Yeah, true. For me, the, the lyrics are, are great fun, but the beats behind every single bit of it, I think, is absolutely beautiful. I think it's huge drum beat, and it just crack on. I, I love each verse for its own reasons. They're all different. They're all quality. I like kind of back towards the end when it kind of gets into the sexy breathing. Kind of, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of, kind of got almost like a shard a little fucking lick that comes underneath it. Yeah, there's a it's a strange outro for the, the last thirty seconds. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. weird on this one, but fuck it, works. Nice right, so track nineteen. Nineteen of twenty. Yeah, so this one's called In Threes. Uh huh. And this is the other big funk instrumental. <laughs> I fucking love this. Yeah, I think this, right, is, this, 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 this is their best function they've ever done. Exactly. I totally agree. 
Yeah, it's, 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 it's that pause and then that guitar lick comes back in again. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, I, I don't have a huge amount to say about this. Like, it, as an individual track, I don't have a huge amount to say. It's just a good fucking little funk yeah. lick. But it sits here perfectly on the record uh-huh. as the last kind of funky track on the record. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, again, you can look at where they went on Ill Communication for themselves and the funk tracks on there. I don't think any of them are as good as the funk tracks on here. These are crisp, clean. Yeah. Uh, and I think they went a bit wishy-washy whenever they... Yeah, well, I think I think you and I have the same opinion with Communication. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I need to... I, um, I, I need to... I haven't listened to Ill Communication in quite a while. Mm-hmm. I think, that, I think uh, the hip-hop tracks on Ill Communication are some of their best ever hip-hop tracks. I think I think Sure Shot, Flute Loop... Uh, uh, yeah, I think together, the big, get I think, together. Yeah. yeah, those are fucking great. Shows. Yeah, I think I think the singles in Flute Loop are superb. But I just yeah, the rest of it. Is, yeah, yeah. It's, the it's just not strong. As good the punk is strong, and the hip hop tracks aren't as strong. Like you know, you've got that uh, uh, Boss Vida Val. Yeah, that's a good track. I like that. It's all right. I find that it just they, they kind of meander. They're a bit long. Do they? Mm. I I see. I don't know. I, I I need to go back and listen to it. I You're not. Lot. There, there, I mean, there is an argument that it's that it's. Superior to check ahead. That I mean, that's, that's a wrong argument. Yeah, but you know, and I've, I've read that elsewhere, but I. Don't I would it. rather listen to real communication than Paul Oh, All right, so no, I would do Paul Petit. No, I, I, I love real communication. I, I think it's, I think it's a great record. Fair play. Yeah. Cool. Uh, but we're near the end of this, so we've got one more track, which is Namaste. And it's before every cunt started saying it. I know. Namaste. And, you know, that's some pure. Yeah, poor little black exploitation funk going on right there. Um, and again, this is this is Yoke. It's a drug haze of a song, really. It's but it's him doing his positive vibe lyrics again. Yeah, and you know this this song's very low key. Yeah. I mean, it almost feels like an outro to the album. Yeah. It's lots of held yeah. notes and atmosphere. It's all feel, isn't it? Really. Yes, with again, like you say, with his, you know, with his kind of his, with his nonsense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think it manages not to be overly cloying. I think it walks the line. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty nonsense and cloying when you get well, to I mean, it. But, it's, 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 you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, it, it's it's stoner. You know, why can't we get along? Kind of that vibe, and I don't find anything inherently wrong with that. I don't think it ever, I don't think it's ever changed the world. But. Uh, no, no, I've got an issue with it, but it is it is a little bit sort of backpack backpacker philosophy. Well, yeah, right, it's a bit right, trust affair, yeah. yeah, and I don't think it needs to be four minutes long as the last track on this album because I think Professor Booty is a great final track. I can see that a, a little, you know, a salve of an outro that works with that. Like, calm yourself down again. I don't think it needs to be four minutes long. I'm, I'm quite happy with. I'm quite happy with uh, this as a final track. I've never. Yeah. I've never been listening to it and going, "Oh fuck, I wish this was over." I, I would. I suspect very often. Go. All right. Yeah. This album's done. Now. A minute into this. Yeah. And and just go. I've had. I've had enough of this. It works. But I've had enough of it. So and this is the interesting thing about Check Your Head because yes. it's one of my favourite albums. As one of your favourite albums. Mm. Um. Like in terms of song for song all being strong, there's other albums that I that, that I think are, you know I think I think are far better. And it's this idea that in another band's hands, a, a twenty track album would just be poor. Oh God! It um, was, yeah. yeah, and Beastie Boys themselves. It's not as if every song here is an absolute classic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it, it, it kind of needs it needs that for the ebb and the flow. Yeah. So it's weird that it still ends up being one of your favourite albums. But there's another album out there. It could be ten songs that song for song. Punchier. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. But then again, there's very few albums that are pure. Every track's oh, classic. Oh, yeah, 100%. No, you're absolutely right. But this doesn't meander in other, like... And this is only, what, 55 minutes long, something like that? Yeah, look, this, this to me, it's an album that's bigger than the sum of its parts. When you sit and pick this album and you go through the process that we've chosen, which mm. is every track in its own... You know, not every, like you say, not every track on here is a classic. Not every track is an absolute bang. But when you put everything together, mm. the collage of all of it and the cut and paste of it is... It's kind of just perfection to me. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a perfect album. It's not full of perfect songs. Yeah, yeah. I see, and the thing is, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, you, you like, oh, I'd remove this. I, I wouldn't change this at all. I like. Oh, I would make I, two, I, like literally two changes. Yeah, I mean, I just like every kind of. I like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like every decision. So. Whichever way you go, even if you like it, you, you look back at the, the history of alternative music in the 90s, and this is one of the most seminal releases, because it mm. is a nexus point, and we talk about this a lot with the hip-hop stuff, it's a nexus point that changes everything. I mean, this is best remembered as an alternative music record, I mm-hmm. think, rather than sure. a hip-hop. I would agree there, yeah. Because right. uh, it wasn't just hip-hop fans. I know what you mean, but I do consider this part of the golden age as well. So, Oh, yeah? I don't think it sits well in... in 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 that regard, if you're if you're DJing a golden age hip hop night, which, which I did one, last night, which one of these tracks do you play? Uh, I, no, so I, what I, you want would be the if you are be the one, one. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So if you're going, well, you know, oh yeah, well, that'd be the one that it, you know. Whereas if you're going on another record that comes out, you know, this year, if, I mean, there's so many there's so many hip hop records that come out in '92, and you're like, oh okay, it'd be that one or that one or that one or that one. So you know. I, 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 I'm, I'm not slagging this album off in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying it's not a purely hip hop record because, you know, in the same, if you look at License to Ill, when you sit that in the genre of hip hop and the year it came out, that is a, a purely hip hop record, and it sits with with within that kind of. Uh, no, it, it sounds like Run DMC and the stuff of the time. Yeah. 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 Whereas this is something else. This is, and you know, that's not an insult with it. That's a, that, you know, it, it's it has evolved and it's it, it's something different. Yeah, I guess, I guess it. Yeah, if if it was going to be in a sex record shop, it'd be, it'd be in the alternative section. Yeah, yeah. And um, presumably, but I, I don't think this sold a lot in the first year at all. I think it was, a, you know, a bit of a, a steady climb. But presumably, this also opened up the doors for other bands to go. All right, well, we're going to chuck other things on our albums. It doesn't have to be just. Oh, definitely. I don't think. I don't think that first Goat sound would sound like it does. Right. If it wasn't for this, for instance. No, that's no. sure. No, New, New Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. No, absolutely true. And this is the thing, you know, it, it did create another thing, and it encouraged other people to experiment more with genre. I think, and you know, the th- one of the, my favourite things, you know, music was very tribal in the nineties. We know how tribal. And mm. when you went to Beastie's concert. There would be a lot of different tribes represented. Mm, sure, there. sure. You know, you'd have your skater kids, your punk kids, your hip hop kids. You know, I mean, they they crossed over in a massive, massive way. And the, you know, the thing that they were became, you know, that, I mean, remember, I mean, everyone and when when this record came out, no one was wearing old school trainers with kind of like white soles. 
but you know, two years later, every motherfucker was having right. it. As you said earlier, you know, that whole thing, like classics, gazelles, yeah. uh, you know, puma suedes and things like yeah. that. You Sambas, know. yeah. Yeah, and, mm. you know, and all of that style, that was kind of co-opted by that emerging acid jazz. Oh, that, right. That kind of came through and they kind of co-opted a lot of those styles as well. And it was just this big cultural... Yeah. And, then, and, then, and then for a while, metal, you know, metal suddenly dresses like hip-hop as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, we don't like to talk about the new metal years. And particularly, <laughs> I don't like to talk about how much fun I had. Yeah. But yeah, it, I mean, this is a great record. It leaves an enormous shadow across music. And it was one of those things that was massively underappreciated at the time. It, it was. Out. It was. Um, you know, by me, for a start. By I, me. Yeah, it was one of those ones that so, you needed someone else to go check this out. Mm-hmm. Have a listen to this because you like A and B, you're going to like this. Yeah. And, but once once you're in... You're also telling everyone that you know. You're going, oh, fuck, you got to hear this album. Yeah. I know I did anyway. Anyway, let's let's do a quick sum up. So anyway, okay. it, it, you know, this is an album, your favourite album. It's my, it is my, it's my favourite album. If someone says to me, what is your favourite album? I go check your head. Because yeah. it has everything for me. I, I, I'm a fan of funk. I'm a fan of hip hop. I'm a fan of rock. This has everything. And it does it so well that I can't fault it. Again, not my favourite record. Mm-hmm. But... Top five. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I think if you were, if you were to ask me once a year, what's your favorite album of all time at this point in time? You know, it would look. It's, it it's going to be up yeah, there. It's going to be. It's going to win most years. Thank you very much again, Sai, for coming along. It's been an absolute treat. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, boys. we'll do this again sometime whenever another big big album comes out. Look forward to it. Uh, you, you're doing some beat rehab stuff at the minute. Yep. So uh, at the moment, yeah, it's 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 been the end of last year and the start of this year. So I'm deep in list territory right, of making it, it, lists sure. of all the albums of the year and singles of the year. So, mm. uh, so loads of that stuff uh, and appearing sort of fairly regularly on the Dance About Architecture podcast, which is very good. Nice one. Well, um, we'll, we'll put links to obviously the Beat Rehab yeah, site. Beat Rehab. Yeah. And Dancing About Architecture. We'll put links wherever we can in this episode. Yeah. Have a look at Beat Rehab. It's there. Yeah. It, it's basically there to shout about good new music. Stuff you can get excited about. Exactly. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch up with you next week. What are we back with next week, Chris? Uh, next week is going to be The Cure Wish. So uh, we're going to be listening to that. Thanks again. See ya. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast. On Instagram, also at PCL Podcast and facebook.com slash podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com.